0: bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to amazon.com or visit us at mamajumboshrimp.com.
1: Will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food, and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it is my great pleasure to travel to the wine hills of the Valpolicella to visit one of Italy's most iconic wine estates, Mazzi Agricola, and to meet the president of the company, Dr. Sandro Boscaini. Buongiorno, Sandro. It's been a, such a long time since we last met, so it's a great pleasure to reconnect. Thank you very much for being my guest today. How are you?
2: Fine, fine. Ciao, Mark, it's true. It's a long time that we cannot see each other. And uh, although sometimes we had the, the possibility the possibility to chat each other, but uh, uh, unfortunately we lost uh, uh, three years of our uh, life, uh, you know, this happened uh, everywhere in the world and even for us. Nevertheless, in that uh, uh, bad period of time, we had the chance to, to do a lot of things, including the uh, celebration of our 250 harvest in Valpricella.
1: That's a very exciting milestone. and. I've been listening to some of the wonderful podcasts that are available on the Mozzie website, and I urge our listeners to seek these as well, which really uh, tell in detail um, so many things about what has happened with the family over 250 years. So it's something to be very proud of. Now, Sandro, 250 years, if my mathematics is correct, goes back to 1773. So, your um, area of this area, of Verona, all of the Veneto, was a proud part of the Venetian Republic. This was prior to the occupation of the Austrians. Is my history correct?
2: Yes, it is. Uh, there is something in the middle, uh, even most important probably, uh, in a In 1797, Napoleon and the French, they uh, fell down uh, the Republic of Venice and uh, for a few years, our uh, region uh, had been uh, a part uh, of uh, the empire of Napoleon. And uh, in a a way that uh, we had here uh, close to us in Valpolicella, the the, uh, strong uh, battle of uh, Rivoli. That's why there is a victory of of Napoleon uh, Army. Uh, That's why in in Paris one of the major uh, and central road uh, is uh, Rue de Rivoli. Uh, It's very close a few kilometers from from the Masi vineyards.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Many, many, they don't know what means uh, Rue de Rivoli. Yeah, such a famous road in Paris. Yeah, there is a, a village. Uh, actually, we have a, we have a vineyard there in uh, Rivoli. It's a, it's a nice place just uh, uh, entering in the Valley of Adige, which is the river that uh, come from uh, Austria, from north. And uh, that's why for, Napoleon was very important to fight there, the Austrian hungarian
1: Okay, it was a very strategic
2: point. Absolutely.
1: Now, Sandra, I'd like to go back only about 60 years or so, so only a brief part of that, 250 years, but perhaps the most important part. I'm going back to um, how thinking about how wine, Italian wine, and wine in the Valpolicella was so very different then and perceived very differently. Now tell me about when you were a student in Milano and drinking wine in bars.
2: There wasn't much choice then, was there? Ah, uh, No, no, it was really, uh, this is, uh, you're right, Mark. This is uh, an example to tell to your followers the dramatic difference between the italian uh, uh, enology on uh, wine uh, section in that time and uh, we speak not about uh, millennium or so ago just uh, uh, 60 years ago and today at that time uh, i remember for, for example uh, we used to go uh, on the on the evening just to, for a glass of wine with my friends in a, in a Trani it was the name of one, what today is wine bar, but in Italian today, many, they call today either uh, Osteria, the, the place to drink wines. The uh, wine chart, the wine uh, selection was uh, very simple and was written in a three small uh, barrel, vin Vinchar vin vin Wine dark, which means uh, the wine from south of Italy, Vinciar wine uh, claret or wine uh, light in a color, that was uh, usually the wine from the Lake of Garda and from our area, Valpolicella, Bardolino. So our wines from the uh, eastern part, north and eastern part of Italy. And Vin Gross, it was the the wine more uh, robust from Piedmont and uh, and more, more uh, also black like uh, Barbera, uh, Fraser, these uh, wines from uh, the western part of Italy.
1: Oh, that's a fascinating story.
2: From that that time, uh, you know, it came uh, later the new regulation of Operation Controle, and today we are uh, f- uh, probably at the, extreme uh, paradox with 600 and more, the 600 appellation in Italy, which is really crazy because there are few very important, uh, known uh, even in the past, Valpolicella is one, but Chianti, of course, is very important like that. The area of, uh, of Barolo and Barbaresco and many others, but some are unknown. And are uh, just made for political reasons, intending to give a, a gift to the certain uh, inhabitants of certain territory. But of course, if if the wine is not known and if there is no uh, possibility to expand the distribution in the world, it's just uh, a name that nobody that remains on the paper.
1: Yes, I think that's why Italian wine can still be very confusing for people coming to it for the first time.
2: You are perfectly right. Uh, we need really to to try to put together the reality of wines that are good from a vocate area, but also known in the world. All the rest make only a confusion. Yes, absolutely. Now, Sandro, actually, this was
1: an interesting time because It was also around Italy's economic miracle, and it saw the rise of industrial wine production. Industrial wine production from the Pianura of Verona, where high-yielding vines were planted um, and and vast quantities of Valpolicella, Suave, Bardolino were being sent around the world. But of course, at the same time, the classic heartland of Alpolicella, where you're located, these hill vineyards that are so much more difficult to work, cultivated on the dry stone terraces, this was being devalued by the success of the wines from the Pianura.
2: Yeah, it's true. Uh, is uh, you know the, the 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 question mark is, uh, should we remain linked to the the values of the soil that produce grapes, or is just the appellation that uh, uh, gave gave value to the wine. Of course, we have to start from the best located vineyard on the hills, and consequently, the wine will be uh, great appreciated, but we should stop there. not when the, 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 the appellation is appreciated, then I add more and more outside the historic classic area as has been done in Porto Valpuricella, the Bartolino and the Suave, all the three, uh, in particular Suave, I have to say. But uh, this, uh, of course, it remain uh, just uh, one uh, name, well no name, but uh, sometimes uh, it's difficult to find the proper link between the name and the original values of the wine that is in the bottle.
1: And in many ways, this was the work that you set out to do when you joined the family company to reclaim uh, an ancient vinous heritage and patrimony. It goes back to the Roman times.
2: Absolutely. And this is, it was my my approach, let's see, uh, the original approach. It's different what happened in California from what happened in, uh, in, in Chile or in uh, even in other areas in Italy. For example, uh, even in Toscana, the area of Bulgaria that uh, have been planted recently. We have uh, the plantation of the vineyard in our region. Uh, It go forever. Uh, We were now uh, studying, really Masid is uh, one of the supporter of this, the possible church of a place uh, where uh, being cultivated grapes 6,000 years before Christ. And uh, uh, we are looking now, hopefully we can prove that that uh, um, seeds of the vineyard represented the the uh, ancestor of Amaroni. It would be fantastic. But in this uh, situation where all the major and the, the, the more vocate vineyards have been planted for centuries, of course, uh, in the history, we can found uh, the appreciation of our ancestors for centuries looking to the best places and describing what is uh, really great uh, from what is uh, mediocre or what is good but not uh, exceptional and uh, so going through the history, even in French they did the same when they made uh, the great uh, selection of uh, 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 grand cru grand cru quartier etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh, we don't have unfortunately this kind of uh, uh, legal delimitation but uh, i know personally and our technician know that there are some areas that uh, are great great areas and uh, the history gave us the right is a sort of proof that we have that uh, what we find today great wine have been found 200 300 years ago by our ancestors, and they took memories of that. Uh, this case is the case of, for example, the two great, uh, our single vineyard, Campo Longo di Torbe and Mazano. We found documents at the end of the 12th century describing that uh, this place had uh, been uh, uh, considered the, the producer of the best wines in the valley of... Uh, Negrar in Valpolicella Classica, as well when we have the memories of Serego Alighieri estates. Vallo Armaron is described in the purchase document from 1353 when the son of the poet Dante Alighieri bought this large estate in Valpolicella. All this gave us the, let's see, a precise system to delimitate the, the area and the vineyard. Of course, it's not enough. Today, we we, we, we can prove and we can check also with a, uh, in a technician way, but of course, uh, this has happened uh, because we can uh, start from uh, historic uh, references.
1: I think that's absolutely fascinating, Sandro, that The scientific technology that you have today confirms what was found in documents in the 12th century. I remember you explaining to me about looking at church ties, for example. Absolutely. The church would always specify the best wines. They wanted the best wines, not any old wines. And yet, these vineyards... Are still producing the flagship wines of Masi.
2: Absolutely, and uh, this is uh, uh, in my way also because of my uh, uh, studied of classics. uh, But uh, I am totally convinced that in uh, in an historic area, this is uh, not just in Italy, even in Germany, and uh, and and sometimes through the church. Really, thank the church that uh, at that time they own uh, great uh, properties. uh, in the, in the best area, or we can have a precise indication uh, where is good and where is less good. Yeah,
1: that's fascinating. That's a really interesting story of how from this time 60 years ago, uh, over that period, Sandro, we've seen Valpolicella now rightly take its place on the world stage of amongst the greatest wines in the world, something that happened well, you've been working in the company.
2: Yes, it's true. The, uh, the movement of uh, uh, relaunch, the ancient traditional wine making method and the varieties of grapes typical of the area uh, is uh, quite uh, recent, but myself and the Mazi play a great uh, uh, role on this. For example, on the uh, discovering the uh, ancient variety Oseleta, uh, that totally disappeared. Uh, Nobody after the phylloxera time uh, took the responsibility to replant uh, for many reasons. First of all, because of the low crop uh, of of this uh, great variety. Now uh, being restored, after that uh, I had the chance uh, to rediscover four vine not attacked by the phylloxera, and uh, through the, the Italian center of uh, viticulture in Conegliano Veneto, we made the research. I was the first to have the chance to replant, and now it uh, represents a great possibility to give a, a backbone uh, in, a, in a wine like Valpolicella or Amarone, giving more modernity to our wines but also what had been done, and uh, Masi was the first really, coming uh, with uh, 1983 Amarone as uh, a modern uh, style of Amarone, which means modern style of Amarone. is a wine that uh, had been checked everywhere from the selection of the vineyard, selection of the best bunches, a new way more accurate to make uh, this uh, unique, uh, a way uh, of making wine that we call a passimento, the drying of the grapes, making in a in a specific sites, controlling the humidity, the temperature, in order not not the grapes are not attacked uh, with a mold, and then making totally in a new way a very speedy fermentation that in the past. Uh, was not uh, was uh, left to be wild um, and the wine of course uh, as a result was sometimes very very obsidate so put more care and not consider certain taste and smell of the wine as part of the tradition when instead they were part of a not accurate approach to the, the winemaking.
0: Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods.
1: So taking this ancient method of making wine from semi-dry grapes, but bringing it into a more modern style that consumers can
2: enjoy. Absolutely. And, and the result is what you said uh, rightly uh, a few minutes ago. Today, the Veronese wine, even this uh, uh, fantastic wine, the name is Amarone or the sweet version, Reciotto, they are very, very clean and approachable for the the, the, the contemporary consumer.
1: Sandro. You are known as Mr. Amarone because you have taken this great and very special wine all around the world. Now tell us briefly, what makes Amarone such a special wine and why it is unique in the world?
2: I will uh, explain in this way. Amarone, a uh, historic wine. Uh, of course, uh, historic wine means that uh, has been considered a great wine in the history, but it's not enough. Uh, what is uh, really important today is uh, with uh, the history, we can uh, uh, really have uh, a great storytelling, which is very important to show uh, the uniqueness and uh, to show uh, this uh, appreciation as well, the winemaking method, the original winemaking method. But the, the, the second point after the historic wine is a unique wine. Why is unique wine? Because of the production area. Uh, Amarone can be uh, produced only in a very small area that you know very well, Mark, the Valpolicella Classica Hills. Why? Because of the uh, special climatic condition, the the mountain, the dolomites that uh, that protect uh, from the froze of the north that should come from Austria and Germany, but also the vicinity of Lake of Garda that give a special influence to the climatic condition. Second point, the variety of grapes, not international variety of grapes, but indigenous variety of grapes, Corvina, Rondinella, Molinara, uh, the the most important, that are typical of our, our area, since centuries and centuries ago. Another point is that the winemaking method, what we call a passimento. So in this specific climatic area, with these grapes, we can make a drying process that make emphasis not only to the power of the wine, but, but to the style of the wine. And the style of the wine is another uniqueness. Of Amarone. Amarone is Amarone because is a gentle giant. So is big, is high in alcohol after the drying process. The and the the concentration of the sugar, but is uh, a gentle giant because at 16, 15.5, 16 in alcohol, still it keep a lot of velvet and is uh, uh, not very high in tannic, uh, it's not very high in acidity. It's really always round and soft. But it's also, it gives an illusion of sweetness that is absolutely unique. When you, you smell an Amarone, even a new Amarone after two or three years, you have the sensation that you are approaching a sweet wine, instead it's totally dry, no residual sugar uh, is uh, usually, our Amarone is around five, uh, six gram maximum. Uh, so is uh, this illusion of uh, sweetness uh, that is part of the charm of this wine.
1: Yes, and it's, you've described that beautifully. It's that power with that velvety quality, that gentleness that makes it so unique. And yet at the same time, so complex and fascinating. Sandro. you have spent your life going around the world teaching people about this unique corner of Italy, the Valpolicella Classica, about Amarone. In a sense, you're precisely in the tradition of those intrepid and entrepreneurial Venetian traders who went far and wide to sell their wares and sailed the Mediterranean and were such incredible entrepreneurs, you were even one of the first to sell wine to China. And to do so, you took a Venetian gondola packed with your wines to Beijing, along with, with another friend of mine, Gabriele Ferron from Isola della Scala, to teach the Chinese how to cook rice, Venetian style. Tell us about this.
2: Absolutely. You remember very well, Mark, a, long, a story a long time ago. And this happened exactly a few months uh, after that uh, China being uh, uh, reopened to the, the visitors. And uh, Kempinski Hotel, it was just uh, open in Beijing. And uh, the, the director and the chef of this, uh, this hotel, great hotel, they were in charge to open an Italian restaurant with the name Gondola. And so it came to me immediately and I said, if I, uh, I was looking actually to open the market and to find our importers, importer, And uh, I said, uh, if I come and I give a gift to you with a real gondola to put on the middle of the entrance of the hotel, can you organize for us one week, for example, of a Venetian kitchen? With uh, our wines and they say, "Of course, it it will be something very interesting for us." And in fact, I I stuffed in a in a container, a gondola that uh, it it looked like a small boat, but instead is twelve meter long. And so I put in a and to to keep together in the in the in the container, I put a, a, around. A, 650 cases of wine. This case of wine uh, was the first wine from Verona shipped in uh, in, in China, really, uh, including Amarone, but also Valpolicella, some Suave and so. And uh, and uh, our friends, Gabriele Ferron, I I ask him, come with me, and we can. Uh, teach the, the Chinese how to cook different rice uh, with wine, but without wine either. And in fact, it was a great success that uh, after uh, after one week I left because of, all of my commitments. But Ferron, uh, they asked him to remain another week and uh, he went to the, the Great uh, Walls to make the rice, the risotto in in, in that place. It was uh, really funny uh, uh, to see the interest of the gondola, incredible. Everybody uh, want to go to the gondola, take the picture, and uh, and, uh, as well really to the appreciation of wine and uh, and the rice and the risotto. First, uh, uh, the first day, two days, came the expatriate from uh, Italy from the United States. And so the second, uh, the day after came uh, the the secretary of these uh, uh, people, mainly Chinese. And then the Chinese family started to come. So it was a really a great uh, opportunity to to uh, show uh, our uh, tradition in a wine and food. And it was for me a great opportunity to find immediately uh, the, the very large and and one of the best uh, among the few importers organi- uh, organization in uh, in China. So it was uh, uh, let's see a, a costly, uh, but it was a vision.
1: Yes, what a fascinating story. <laughs> That sounds like it must have been so fun to do.
2: Yeah yeah we we came uh, spoke uh, uh, about Marco Polo in the 12th century that uh, he started from Venice and he went uh, in uh, in China discovering really the China and uh, making connection between Europe and China. So uh, now Amarone did the same after 8th uh, century.
1: Now, Sandro, I would also like to touch on a very close personal relationship. You've mentioned already that you have with your neighboring property, the Serrego Alighieri Estate. This is oh. one of the most historic wineries in Italy in the world. And uh, you have developed a very strong personal relationship and friendship with Conte Pier Alvise. Tell us about
2: this. See, I have to say that the story go back before me and before Pieragise with the father of Pieradise, the Conte Dante, and my father, they, uh, we have the, the, uh, the, our vineyards, uh, neighbor vineyards, so uh, the, the, the Conte used to sell part of their own uh, grapes to my father. And uh, when I started to work, uh, I, I said to my father why you use this uh, uh, this uh this uh, grapes but we don't uh, we cannot uh, use uh, an historic and very high reputated uh, noble uh, brand uh, like Chieri?" So in uh in uh, uh, nineteen seventy three we made an agreement with the Count Dante to to make uh, wine uh, Uh, under our supervision, technical supervision, and then to commercialize the wine. Uh, In the beginning, we did uh, a lot of of, uh, uh, restoration in the vineyard, in the cellar, but with uh, 1979, we came out with the first Valle Armaron historic crew in Valpolicella and was a really immediately a great success because it's a, such a fantastic wine, keeping the tradition of the, the Seregualighieri estate. For example, uh, one of the variety, Molinara, is a very special clone. Name is Seregualighieri because they are keeping uh, the, genuinely this uh, clone uh, of, uh, of uh, wine grapes oh uh since long and they keep a secret which is a, a little different from the usual Molinara. But more than that, I found one system that uh, is still I think almost unique in the world to age to mature the Amarone as well the other reds in a cherry wood cask. And still we we continue to 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 have this uh, Three or four months, no more than that, where the wine go to maturation in a cask uh, with this uh, s- specific uh, wood barrel of cherries that give an underline to the uh, typical character of cherry of uh, Valpolicella. So after that uh, initial uh, contact, we went over. Planting, replanting new vineyards in uh, in the estate Serego but also to uh, restore large part of the the villa, the, the fantastic uh, villa in Valpolicella, and uh, we we came out with the first example in the area of uh, wine uh, wine tourism. Let's see, making this. Uh, uh, Relay in chateau to host the people, the foreign in particular, a lot of German come to our area and the lake of, of garden Valpolicella, but also to sell the wine, to make uh, to make wine and food pairing school or courses, and to test the wine. It's really a lot of things that make this. Uh, our uh, combination uh, being the the first really to start the the modern acclaim Turismo del Vino.
1: Yes, very very important. In fact, I and very enjoyable. I recall some wonderful meals in the forester foresteria di Serego Alighieri of uh, pairing of traditional foods of Verona uh, risotto alla morone, for example with the uh, with with the wonderful wine so it's one of the great ways to i think really experience uh, a wine region and in fact that leads me to my final question briefly because i know we've we've uh, run out of time a little bit but just about the importance of wine tourism for mazi and the mazi wine experience
2: Yes, uh, uh, it's uh, extremely, we consider it extremely important and we consider this approach, direct approach of the consumer, the, uh, the, uh, a a, a touch of uh, what we have to do today to give uh, um, the first-hand information to the, to the, our consumers. And uh, it's uh, everybody today uh, they don't want just to drink a uh, wine they want to make an experience the experience uh, uh, of uh, one territory, the experience of, of one style to 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 do uh, for, uh, in a family to do business uh, the experience to make a uh, wine wine and food combination So the holistic uh, approach to a territory to really, through a, a glass of wine to re- recognize uh, on, on deep uh, the values of the area. And uh, oh, in fact, uh, a few years ago, we formed uh, our, uh, let's see, a new uh, part of the business, the Masi Wine Experience. And uh, we started with uh, our, uh, our original uh, approach at Regolieri Still, it remains our uh, head of these uh, sites for my experience. But then we open uh, uh, another very important uh, wine experience sites in uh, the Lake of Garda, the Tenuta Canova in La Gise del Garda, where you can have uh, same, uh, same uh, approach, testing of wine, school, uh, cooking uh, school, pairing wine and food, but also a small museum, and a visit of the vineyard, and the cellar with the explanation. But uh, we we are doing the same in a recent acquisition. We had in the area of Valdobiadene, the, the Prosecco original historic area in the hills of Prosecco. Uh, Canevel is the name of our state. But also uh, we open uh, uh, two uh, wine bar with our wines, and this same approach to the the, the, the experience of the uh, the the Verona and the Venetian area. One in uh, Zurich. One in uh, recent in Munich, Bavaria, in Germany. And one in the ski area where the the Olympic Games which will be in uh, in uh, the, the 2026 um, Cortina d'Ampezzo in the Dolomites, and uh, we have uh, really we we are totally convinced that this is the, the best way to promote our wines, but also the best way to let uh, the consumer to understand. Uh, that behind uh, behind the the glass of wine or a bottle of wine there is a, a lot of passion a lot of uh, um, also uh, technology a lot of history in our case and a lot of joy joya di vivere joie de vivre
1: actually that's a wonderful way to to end our talk today Sandro i think you've given that feeling of passion History, the joy of wine and technology, the importance of being scientific and precise in winemaking, beautifully in our talk. I know that our many listeners around the world and Italian Wine Podcast has now received over 5 million listens. So I know that our listeners will be eager to discover your wines wherever they are and to visit when they come to the beautiful Val Uh, Classica area. Sandro, I'm personally so glad to be in touch with you again, and I'm looking forward to meeting you sometime soon. So thank you so much for being my guest today.
2: Thank you, Mark. Thank you for your word. uh, And uh, really, I appreciate a lot of this kind of conversation. Ciao, ciao.
1: Ciao. A presto, Sandro.
2: Ciao, presto. Ciao.